mom rage is really just strong anger, right? It's you, it's uncontrolled. You almost feel like, like something has taken you over. Like you're not yourself. Hey everyone, I'm Maria Sansone. Welcome to another edition of Mom to Mom, the podcast. Today, my friends, we are talking about tempers. And when I say tempers, don't you think temper tantrum? You think about your kids. But today we're not talking about our kids, really. We're talking about us. Think about the last time you yelled at your kids. I got to tell you, for me, it was actually last night. Not a proud moment, never a proud moment, but I think we've all been there. You know what just happens. Like you get so overwhelmed and you start boiling and then all of a sudden the words just start flying out of your mouth and you're yelling. And here's the thing. There's a name for this. It's called mom rage. And once I found out that this was a thing, it actually made me feel a little bit better. So my guest today, Minna Dubin, she knows all about mom rage. In fact, she is the author of this wildly popular article called The Rage Moms Don't Talk About. I discovered this online. It was published in the New York Times back in September of 2019. And it just became so popular because so many women were searching for information about this thing that they couldn't name. So she knew what she was talking about, but she just didn't know if other moms could identify. And it wasn't long before she realized that they really could. So I spoke with Minna all about what mom rage is, why we feel it, and how possibly we can attempt to fix it one day at a time. So here is my conversation with Minna Dubin. Minna, hi, how are you? Thank you so much for joining us on mom to mom Hi, I'm good. I'm really happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm happy you're here too, because when I saw the article that you published in the New York Times called The Rage Mothers Don't Talk About, I felt like this was speaking to me. This is obviously a topic that hit home with a lot of moms. So today we are totally going to dig in. What was it in you that inspired you to write this article in the first place? Well, I was having, um, I was having a really hard time. I felt like I was losing my mind kind of, I was just yelling all the time. I was, I would get so upset and it felt like my reaction to things were bigger than they should be. And I was just totally overwhelmed. My kid was, um, it was pre-diagnosis. He ended up getting diagnosed with um, sensory processing disorder and later autism. So it was pre that, and there were all these issues in school. And I just felt totally overwhelmed and isolated and alone. And I was just, it was a lot. Early motherhood was a lot. And I think so many people watching, listening, however, you're taking in this information are like, yes, I have so been there before. And what was awesome about the article that I read that you had written was I had never, I didn't know there was a name for it. And I didn't know that other people were experiencing it. I just thought I'm a spicy Sicilian and this is my temper. I am blowing at at a certain point I'm going to blow. And so it was just so nice to know that there were other moms out there who were experiencing these exact same feelings. And it was normal, really. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't actually 100% sure that it was really a thing when I published it. I I had googled it and found one article that Anne Lamott the writer wrote about mother rage. And so that sort of gave me some I don't know, some confidence that maybe this was a thing, but it wasn't until I wrote it and published it in the New York Times and then got the feedback from mm-hmm. all of these moms that I was like, "Oh, oh, this is this is a big thing." 
And it gave me the same feeling. Yes. So let's talk about some of that feedback. Obviously you got the Twitter hate, which is to be expected whenever you publish anything anywhere. But you said what surprised you the most was just how your inbox was lighting up with all of these women. What were some of the responses that you were getting? The responses were so much of them were the same. They mimicked each other in so many of them. The moms admitted that they had never written anyone who wrote an article before that they were crying as they, as they wrote me this email and that they were sure before this moment that they were the worst mother in the entire world and that they felt so alone. And they just, I think people just, moms just felt relief that maybe they weren't alone and they weren't the worst. There's just so much guilt and self-hatred and uh, just pressure to be perfect. I think in motherhood that it gave people permission to to sigh, like to breathe and be like, okay. How does that make you feel as a writer to realize that you wrote something that makes women feel like they are not the worst? I mean, that's pretty (laughs) incredible. It is really incredible. I feel very lucky that, that I was able to get that piece published in the New York times because it has such a big reach. It's been an amazing feeling to, to be able to offer that. It's very rare. I think in a writer's life to get that kind of feedback from such a a large group internationally. Let's take a step back because we're chit-chatting about it because obviously we both experienced some level of this mom rage, but how would you actually describe it for someone who doesn't understand that? Um, Just kind of like, what is it in general? So mom rage is, you know, it's become a cultural phenomenon that is global and affecting moms of socioeconomic, all socioeconomic levels. And it's basically moms experiencing uncontrollable anger. And that anger can be aimed at their kids, uh, their partners, men in general, the system, it can get turned inwards um, and turn into self-harm or abusing drugs and alcohol. Mom rage is really just strong anger, right? It's you, it's uncontrolled. You almost feel like, like something has taken you over. Like you're not yourself, right? You like, can't stop it with the, like, I do like this because for me, I feel like when I feel it, I need like some sort of physical impact. So like sometimes I'll clap. That's how I know that like I need to leave the room because I'm clapping. (laughs) I do a lot of the, mm, the sighing. There's a lot of like heavy sighing that leads up to the explosion. Yeah. Yeah. I think if moms think about it, you can figure out like, what are some of your physical tells? Like, is it that you stomp? Is it that you clap your hands? Is it that you sigh? Is it that you growl? You know, there's different kinds of tells that can um, indicate to you that you're losing it. Now you say in the essay that it's not appropriate and it's not okay, but these are still feelings we are having. So how do you kind of explain that? Well, it's not appropriate. And I say that, you know, in quotes, like it's not appropriate for capital M motherhood, right? For the way that our society, for for the archetype of mother who's supposed to be blissful and calm and nurturing, right? Anger has no place in the way that we view mothers, Mm -hmm. um, which is an impossible expectation. And when I say it's not okay, what I mean is that like, even though I'm, I'm talking about mom rage and I want moms to feel relief. I'm not saying that yelling at the people you love is a good thing. You know, I'm not trying to say that like mom rage is cool, you know? So that's what I mean when I say it's not okay. But you also talk about just because you're having these, what I would say to my kids is these big feelings. 
-hmm. It has nothing to do with the way we feel about the people around us and our kids and our loved ones. And it's so hard to kind of like separate the two, but I like that you're sharing that because that feels good because nothing is worse than going to bed and feeling like I yelled at my kids today and you just normally your brain goes to automatically associating that with I'm a horrible parent. And then I jump to I'm a horrible person and round and round we go. I call, I call that the shame spiral, the shame spiral. Thank you, Minna. I've been in that shame spiral many times. Yeah, I think we all have. And yeah, I I mean, I say in that essay that, that I don't remember the line, but it's basically that rage has nothing to do with, with the level of love. love. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that you don't love your kids. And in some ways, the rage has nothing to do with the kids. You might lose your cool over something stupid, like, you know, a spilled bowl of cereal or like the kid not listening, but if that's like the surface level that makes you think, why I'm such a bad mom. I just freaked out over a bowl of Cheerios. But what's really happening is what's underneath that, which is like the deep neglect of mothers, both in the family unit, like from the partners and also in the societal systems, like all the ways that our societies don't support mothers from no federally mandated maternity leave to us having one of the worst maternal death rates in the world that has been steadily rising since 1987. There's all of these ways, no universal preschool, like there's this deep, you know, hole in this way that mothers aren't supported. And so we're screaming over Cheerios, but it's just about like so much overwhelm and stress and isolation that's happening underneath. It always, it always does feel like a buildup. It's a volcano. It's all of these little things that have happened. And like you said, maybe for years long before we were even parents, but it's this feeling of overwhelm that always gets me. It's that there's just way too much to do and I can't handle it. And that's when things explode. And I can only imagine that during the pandemic, things were so much worse for moms. Did you find people reaching out? I found that in April, 2020, I suddenly started getting all these emails again that the Rage Mothers Don't Talk About was published in September, 2019, the first time. And then in April, I started getting all these emails again in my inbox, like out of nowhere. And I realized that what was, and that was right when lockdown happened or like two weeks after lockdown happened. And I realized that moms were freaking out, losing their minds because they were all home with their kids 24 hours a day while also working. Losing their minds, also losing their jobs in some cases. Exactly. Assuming losing loved ones, all right, the things. Right, all of it, right? No one knew what was going on. Yeah. And I think that moms were Googling mom rage and were yeah. finding me. I, I don't think that mom rage has to do with the pandemic exactly. Like it existed before the pandemic. It's going to exist after the pandemic. But I do think that for a lot of moms who weren't feeling mom rage, they suddenly felt it. And so it just got kind of like this larger word that is in the zeitgeist right now, because so many moms are having a hard time. So I love that we're really digging into this concept of mom rage. And when you put a label on it and realize it's a thing, somehow it just becomes so much easier to tackle. But what would you say are some of the triggers? There's the above board triggers and the below board triggers. So the above board triggers are often um, time related. So like the morning rush to get out the door is a time Mm. when moms often talk about experiencing mom rage. And then again in the evening, because I think it's making me sweat just thinking about like (laughs) get, get the kids out to school. 
in the morning with the backpacks and the lunches and the permission slips. And like, <gasps> I'm trying to get to work too. It's not, I'm not well during and that the, time. And the repeating yourself. Like, I feel like <sighs> you're, for years you're saying, put on your socks and shoes, put on your socks and shoes. And it's like seven times in one morning. You know and by I mean? the fifth one, it's put on your socks and shoes. Why am I always yelling? Why do you make me do this? <laughs> exactly. And I think the same thing happens at bedtime. Because even oh. though, even though you don't have to get anywhere or be somewhere, it's just like, I think that moms feel desperate to mm. get kids in bed so that we can have a little bit of time. Not yeah. I'm rushing them to bed. And I'm always thinking, what am I really rushing to do? I'm going to go downstairs and like sit in a big chair for a second and like, look at my phone. But you would think I am like, I'm racing against the clock, trying to get them there. Just, I think it's that it's a little bit of a relief. Yeah. I mean, there's no break in motherhood. No. And, and so the break is at night. If you are someone who can get your kids to bed, you know, by eight o'clock, which lots of people can't, but a lot of this rage actually comes from probably deep rooted fear and being a bad mom. So we're afraid about being a bad mom. So we wind up <laughs> screaming at our kids somehow. And then we go to bed feeling like a bad mom after all. So <laughs> talk about a spiral. Yeah. I mean, I think the fear of being a bad mom is about, it's, it's about the impossible expectations of, mm -hmm. of motherhood. And so, you know, society puts that on us and then we just, we don't realize that we're doing it, but we put it on ourselves to do. do all the things. And we're just like, we are constant. It's like motherhood has become this thing where we have to constantly be bettering our children, getting them in the, in the right programs and music together class when they're a baby and in soccer, toddler soccer, when they're three, like it just like never ends. We're always trying to like make them better. And yeah, parenting wasn't always like that. It was just like keeping things status quo <laughs> when we were kids, you were like, go outside and play on the street. You know, I mean, we yes. didn't even have seat. I mean, you know, I think about like the 1980s, like rattling around like junior men's in the back of a station wagon era when I was a kid. And now, you know, moms today know like six pro, like six brands of car seats and all the pros and cons. Yep. You know, motherhood has changed. When I came home from the hospital in the early 80s, there's this beautiful photo of the nurse handing me and my white blanket to my mom who's sitting in the front seat with no seatbelt. <laughs> exactly. And there we were. So yes, times have totally changed. The expectations definitely have changed. And I think part of that has to be social media. What we're seeing on social media and we're seeing women who are putting out their highlight reel, of course, of just the most beautiful pictures. And so we have these expectations that we are putting on ourselves that aren't achievable. They're not even real. Yeah. Celebrity culture and like celebrity mommy culture doesn't, doesn't help it. I mean, I think social media in general makes people feel bad about themselves, but also like there's the other end of social media of like, you know, finding your tribe and like moms talking about the things that they might not talk about to their, you know, the people in their lives because social media, I mean, even though it's public, there's something about it that gives you some sense of anonymity at the same time. Like, I think that, that the screen and the typing, I mean, like trolls, right. You say things you wouldn't maybe say to in real life. In the essay that you wrote, you mentioned that you actually went to a anger management course. So I'm really want to hear what that experience was like for you. It was interesting. I mean, it was early on and I went because my partner was like, you need to deal with this. And I was excited because how often can you find an anger management class for moms? It was really cool just to see other moms. And there was actually one dad who were dealing with the same thing. I mean, that was the best part about it. 
you know, it was long before this essay was published. And so it was a way to have some sort of community around this topic and to not feel alone in this way that I felt alone. I didn't love the class. <laughs> I didn't love the facilitator, but the community was the most important part. Like I think that group work around motherhood and anger can be really powerful in learning to forgive yourself. Because if you're mad at yourself and you're stuck in the shame spiral, you can't move forward. So I mean, you've done a great job of breaking down what mom rage is. We've shared our personal experiences and I'm a fixer. So now I'm like, okay, how can we fix this? I want to give everyone solutions so that we can put a nice little bow on this and send everyone out into the world. I think part of it is making sure that you're doing things for you. Um, you know, in the very little time that anyone can possibly do that. I, I don't want to like tell people to do self-care when there's no time for self-care, but I, I do think that that's a piece of it because if you have no reserves, then you can't, you know, function properly. I find that for me, you know, leaving the room can be helpful. Just like going to take a breath, leaving, even saying out loud, I'm getting really frustrated. Like naming it can sometimes help to calm it down. If you have a partner that you can talk to about it and, and have them tag in, you know, if they're around to be able to like, be like, I need to tag in now and just leave and let them do it. I, one of the moms I interviewed, she just leaves, she goes in her car and she drives away for a while, but you can only do that if you have a partner who's going to keep in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Otherwise we don't recommend that. Yeah. Protective services might come over. Yeah. For um, me, for me, I find that talking about it is the best, is the best medicine. Like the more I talk to people about it, write about it, go to therapy and talk about it, talk to friends about it, then the more it's on the forefront of my mind. And so it gives me a kind of mindfulness where I'm more aware that I'm about to lose it. And I think that um, re- trying to recognize and ask your partner, if you have one for them to watch you and, uh, and observe what your physical tells are that I was talking about earlier. Because then once you start doing them, you can recognize, I have to stop. I have to go. I'm doing that thing. And it probably won't be hard for them because a lot of the mom rage gets directed at them. I would imagine. I know in my house anyway, I typically will take it out on my husband before the kids wind up getting it or hearing it. It's a whole, it's a whole pyramid of events. Right. Right. So and, and mom rage often like it splits partners, you know, it's a hard thing to talk about. And so if you can bring your partner into it and, uh, and use them, use their knowledge and ask them to help you to observe you so that they can help you when you're about to, and they notice it, that can be really useful. And then they feel like they're part of your process. So that's on our micro, like day-to-day things, things that we can work on today, but what does need to happen as a society you think to, to change this culture? I think that we need universal daycare and preschool for everyone. We need to pay care workers actual money. And whether that means also paying moms is another question um, that I'm open to discussing. (laughs) Um, I'm open to discussing that. (laughs) Federally mandated maternity leave and and not just maternity leave, but family leave for all families having children, whether they're birthing them or adopting them or fostering them. You know, the gender wage gap, closing that would help a lot as well. I mean, this all sounds fabulous. Right. Fixing, fixing the, you know, the medical system so that moms are treated better during birth and during prenatal and postnatal care, extending postnatal care so that it doesn't at six weeks, that would help a lot. Absolutely. Mena for president. I'm, I'm here for all of this. Now, will the partner 
ever really understand mom rage? Or is that just really our own special thing that, that, that we get to deal with? I think that it is possible for partners to understand it, but I think it would help to have some sort of mediator or therapist involved. I mean, I think you can talk their ear off, but I think it's difficult to truly understand what it's like to be a mother if you um, are not one. I think that, you know, I'm writing a book on this, on mom rage. My hope is that partners will read this book and it's going to be a way for partners to understand what mom rage is about and how to help. I think that will be great. I think I cannot wait until your book comes out in the meantime, where can people find you and follow along? And if they want more information about mom rage, where can they look? The best place is really to follow me on Instagram. I'm the most active there. And I'm at Minna Dubin. That's M-I-N-N-A-D-U-B-I-N. Thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I learned so much and it actually just felt like a really good vent too. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Thank you so, so much. And that's a wrap for today's episode of Mom to Mom. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can always binge all of our episodes of Mom to Mom wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also catch Mom to Mom on TV. We're on Mondays at 11.30 a.m. on NBC10 Boston. And always you can find us on Facebook and our Mom to Mom group. All you have to do is search Mom to Mom with Maria Sansone. All right, that's all the business. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I'll see you next time. 